There's a scene in the NBC sitcom, The Office, where Michael Scott, the boss of Dunder Mifflin Paper Company, has a conversation with Toby Flenderson, the human resources rep at Dunder Mifflin. Now, in order to understand the scene, you have to understand the relationship between Michael Scott and Toby Flenderson. Michael can't stand Toby. Michael despises Toby. Michael hates Toby. Toby works in HR and he represents everything that Michael hates. And so, Toby walks into the kitchen at Dunder Mifflin one day and it's Michael's birthday and Michael's in there. He's standing there drinking a cup of coffee and there's a box of donuts open on the counter and the conversation is as follows. Toby says, who brought in donuts? Michael says, somebody got donuts for my birthday. Toby says, happy birthday. And with disgust, Michael replies, you didn't know it was my birthday. And Toby says, I guess I forgot. And Michael says, well, I guess I forgot to give you a donut. And he closes the box. And Toby says, are you serious? And Michael says, hmm. As Toby walks away, Michael reopens the box. Sadly, that's how many Christians view Christianity. That's even how some people view God. Some people view God as this cosmic killjoy who slams the donut box closed on us. Is that how you view God? Is that your view of Jesus? That might be your view of God if you don't see the connection between the following things. Chocolate donuts. Blood moons, applewood smoked bacon, afternoon naps, and hip-hop music. What do these things have in common? Let me tell you. Chocolate donuts, blood moons, applewood smoked bacon, afternoon naps, and hip-hop music all point to a very giving and gracious creator. Chocolate donuts and blood moons and applewood smoked bacon and afternoon naps and hip-hop music are what's lurking behind Hebrews chapter 1 verse 2. I told you last week that we might return to the end of verse 2 because there's so much theology oozing out of this verse. In particular, the phrase at the end of verse 2, through whom also he created the world. That phrase tells us that there is a creator and that he is good. Here's what I want you to do right now. Think about how good Jesus is. That's not enough. Think again. Think about how good Jesus is. Not good, think again. You failed. You cannot even begin to comprehend how good Jesus is. His goodness far exceeds anything that we could ever think up or dream or imagine. So that phrase at the end of verse two is telling us that there's a creator and that he's good. That phrase tells us that there is a God who is not stingy. But in contrast to that, he is very creative and very giving. He loves to share. That phrase at the end of verse 2, through whom also he created the world, is telling us that God is no cosmic killjoy. And it's telling us that he invites us 
to enjoy him and to enjoy his creation. Part of what it means to be a human being made in the image of God is that we are called to enjoy donuts. And we are called to enjoy coffee. And we are called to enjoy the smell of bacon frying in a pan. And we are called to enjoy naps. And I'm going to enjoy one this afternoon. If my kids are quiet. And we're called to enjoy nail-biting finishes to football games. And we're called to enjoy books that are so compelling that they are hard to put down. And we are called to enjoy paintings. And we are called to enjoy sunsets. And we are called to enjoy grandkids. And the list just goes on and on and on. Is that how you view God? That he's gracious. That he's giving, that he's good, that he loves to share. I think so many Christians view God as a cosmic killjoy. So let me ask you this morning, when was the last time you shared the gospel with someone and you told them that Jesus loves them and that he loves donuts too? We should make a bumper sticker that says, follow Jesus He has donuts. Now, I am not making light of the call to discipleship, so please don't misunderstand me. Or as Michelle Winger likes to say in her staff meetings, don't mislisten. You mislisten to me. Don't mislisten to me this morning. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not making light of the radical, serious call to discipleship to follow Jesus. It is a costly endeavor to follow Jesus. You will be hated. You might be thrown in prison like some of the people that are mentioned in the book of Hebrews. You might even be killed for following Jesus. And it might come to our day, maybe even in my lifetime. So I am not making light of the fact that following Jesus will cost you everything and maybe even your life. But what I want to do today is to help recalibrate you because many of us live in this one extreme. We know the call to discipleship. We know that we're called to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. And we know that it is not an easy thing. But some Christians hear the call of discipleship and they think they have to be, quote unquote, spiritual all the time. They think they can't enjoy anything in God's creation. So they relegate their life to eating liver and drinking sauerkraut juice and blowing their nose with sandpaper and sleeping on a hardwood floor and wearing wool. Is that Christianity? Is that what Jesus expects of us? I hope not. Now, you may not have gone to those extremes, but let me ask you, do you see following Jesus as the most boring thing ever? Like, you know you need to follow Jesus, but it seems like the other team has all the fun. Is that Christianity? I hope not. Do you ever feel guilty for having two donuts? Do you ever feel like it's not spiritual to spend three hours watching a football game? 
Do you live with an underlying sense of shame and nagging guilt because you took delight in something that was not quote unquote spiritual? Like God doesn't want you to have a nice piece of toasted sourdough bread covered in butter? Is that you? Is that how you view God and his creation? If that's you, and I think it's all of us to some extent, then the phrase that we will look at today offers you some hope. Hebrews chapter one, verse two, is telling us that God created the world through his son Jesus and that he wants us to enjoy him as we enjoy all of these things. So lurking behind the phrase that we looked at last week and that we're gonna look at again this week is this command. Taste and see and smell and feel and hear that the Lord is good. God the Father created this world through his son Jesus and he invites us to enjoy his creation through the five senses that he has given us. So please understand God is not a cosmic killjoy. He creates, he shares, he gives because he is good. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. We'll go back to verse 1 again. Hear the words of the good God that we serve. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Now, why does the preacher of Hebrews mention God creating the world through his Son, Jesus? It's because of what we saw last week, that God is a giving God, that God shares, that he is not stingy. God created this world in order to share the love that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We saw last week that God was loving his Son in eternity past. Jesus said that in John 17, 24, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. So God the Father was loving his Son, Jesus, in eternity past through the Spirit And then he created this world so that we would be caught up and be swept up in that love and enjoy that love. But the preacher of Hebrews also knows that his audience was losing sight of Jesus, the creator, who blesses us with gifts, which we are then used to bless others. These believers were being tempted to quit giving and to quit blessing others, to quit sharing they were being tempted to hoard their resources. For instance, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, he says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. So the preacher of Hebrews is trying to recalibrate them with the gospel and remind them that God will not forget all that they do for others, how they give, how they share, how they bless, and all that they do for God's glory. He also seeks to recalibrate them in chapter 13, verse 16. He says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The Hebrews were being tempted to hoard their God-given resources and gifts. And so the preacher of Hebrews paints this picture of Jesus as the creator of this world. 
in order to show them that, number one, God gave us food to fuel and to empower us on mission. God, one of the reasons God gave us food was so that we would have energy to be able to go and love and serve and bless others. I wish we could spend more time on this. The bottom line is this. Food enables us and gives us the energy so that we can go and serve others, which implies that eating donuts and fast food all the time, you will not be able to effectively serve others, will you? Because you'll feel run down. Secondly, he's writing to tell them that the triune God is a giving God who loves to share. We saw this last week. God loves to share and he calls us to share and to give to others. Food is to be enjoyed and gifts are to be shared with others because this is how Jesus functions as creator. Jesus created this world, he called it good, and he wants his people to enjoy his creation and to share their God-given gifts with others because this is how God works. It is in God's nature to create and to share, to make and to give away. The triune God creates out of the overflow of his eternal love, and we were made to enjoy and respond to this love. We were made to get swept up in the love that exists between God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That's why God created humanity, so that we would be swept up in his eternal love and glorify and enjoy him forever. Creation exists to bring God glory and to enable all of creation to enjoy God. So Jesus created this world primarily that his creation would glorify God. This is why everything in the universe exists, to glorify the triune God. It's why we had a blood moon a few weeks ago, to glorify the triune God. God created this world to be an overflow of the love that existed within the Godhead. God created this world to be an overflow of the love that the Trinity enjoyed and shared in eternity past. So that means then that our love for God, if it is to be an accurate reflection of Trinitarian love, our love for God must lead us to a deep and profound love for and appreciation of God's creation. Our love for God, if it is to be an accurate reflection of the Trinitarian love that was shared in eternity past, our love for God must lead us to a deep and profound love for and appreciation of God's creation. Our love for God should push us out to love his creation. So creation not only exists for God's glory, but creation also exists for humanity's good. We were made as image bearers of God, as these complex human beings to know and love God and glorify him and enjoy him, but also we were made to take pleasure in all of creation by participating in it. We were made to be intimate with our spouses, amen. We're made to have babies, amen. We're made to enjoy sunsets, amen. To share in all of God's good gifts. And so the preacher of the book of Hebrews is telling us at the beginning that creation is an expression of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Creation is communication from God. And this triune God loved so much 
that he decided to create a world through which he could express himself and express his fullness and express his love. And it was not just any world that God created. He created a world full of blueberry muffins. He created a world full of blistering guitar solos. He created a world full of blended smoothies. He created a world full of black clothing. (laughs) And God created this world and he filled it with human beings and then he gifted each one of them with certain gifts and talents so that they would be a blessing to others. John Calvin said, all the endowments which we possess are divine deposits entrusted to us for the very purpose of being distributed for the good of our neighbor. All the endowments which we possess are divine deposits entrusted to us for the very purpose of being distributed for the good of our neighbor. God blessed you and gifted you so that you could share that with others. And sometimes all of that comes together this way. You know how to make a mean apple pie. And you use the gifts that God gave you, and you make that apple pie, and then you take that apple pie to someone else, and you give it to them, and they get blessed, and they eat, and they enjoy that apple pie with the taste buds that God gave them, and then they give glory to God for you, and they give glory to God for the apple pie, and ultimately, they give glory to God because he's the one who made apples, and he's the one who put it into somebody's head to create something called an apple pie. That's one small way that you can taste and see and smell and feel and hear that the Lord is good. We are called to be gracious and giving like our creator, like Jesus. He created this world, and what did he call it in Genesis 1? He called it good. God celebrated his creation He called it good. And because we are created in his image as image bearers of God, we are called to do the same thing, to create and then to celebrate. Abraham Kuyper, a Dutch theologian and pastor, said this. I discovered this quote in college, and it really revolutionized me because I'm an artist and a musician, and it just felt like the church wanted nothing to do with those things. And I, fi- I was like, I found a Christian who thinks what I think. And I had yet to know that there's a world of Christians who believe this, but I had never heard it. He said, as an image bearer of God, man possesses the possibility both to create something beautiful and to delight in it. The world of sounds, the world of forms, the world of tints, and the world of poetic ideas can have no other source than God. And it is our privilege as bearers of his image to have a perception of this beautiful world artistically to reproduce and humanly to enjoy it. We were made by God to create and to enjoy and to share and to celebrate. We were made to make an exceptional batch of chocolate chip cookies, and not just to make them, but to delight in them, and to share them with others, to smell them in the oven and go, oh, yes, Lord, that's a good smell. 
I put some mulling spice on the stove this morning with some cinnamon and just filled up the house and it was just like, that is so good. Tabitha was like, it just smells so good in here this morning. It's like, that's why God gave us a nose. We were made not just to paint an awe-inspiring painting, but to delight in it too. We were made to write poetry and then delight in it. We were made to make and to create and to delight and to celebrate. Why? Because this is exactly what God does. That means then that the people of God should be marked by celebration. This is why the people of God have always celebrated God because celebration is important to God. He celebrated at the very beginning in Genesis 1. He made the word and said, this is good. This is good. Celebration is important to God. We were made to celebrate and to delight in and to enjoy God. We are a people who are called to celebrate. And we see God's passion to see his people celebrate throughout scripture. In the Old Testament, Yahweh called the nation of Israel to celebrate God, celebrate his work in this world, celebrate his mercy and grace through the various festivals and feasts and the Sabbaths. There was Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits, the feast of weeks, the festival of trumpets, the day of atonement, festival of tabernacles, Feast of Harvest, New Moon Feast, the Sabbath Rest. Now, what kind of God does that sound like? Feast after feast after feast after feast. Festival after festival after festival after festival. Party after party after party after party. What kind of God does that sound like? It sounds like a God who likes to party. A God who loves to celebrate. A God who is not a cosmic killjoy. A God who is infinitely happy and he wants his people to enter into his happiness. All of these festivals and all of these special days and all of these Sabbaths prove that God wants his people to celebrate. God wants his people to celebrate his grace and mercy. God wants his people to enjoy him. All of these festivals prove that Jesus loves to party. Jesus loves to celebrate. What was his first miracle? He turned water into wine, and it was good wine. All of these wonderful Old Testament celebrations were at one time God's design for his people. But now, as the book of Hebrews will tell us, They have all been fulfilled in Jesus. So at the outset by saying, through whom also he created the world, the author of Hebrews is acknowledging that the old covenant celebrations were indeed designed by God. They were created by God for his people to remember him and to celebrate him. But now, as he will tell us in the rest of the book, all of these festivals and celebrations have been fulfilled in Jesus. They were all pointing to Jesus and they have been fulfilled by him. So what, no party now? No celebration? Does that sound like good news? All the parties and feasts and festivals find their fulfillment in Jesus. No party? No. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to celebrate him and enjoy him now. Far from it. Our celebrations and our worship and our enjoyment of God should be off the chain, as they say. I think they still say that. 
Why? Because Jesus has come. And that's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's why we celebrated the Lord's Supper last week. And that's why I always tell you before you eat the bread or drink the cup, I tell you, celebrate the peace that you have with God our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are a celebrating people. And that's why we celebrated baptism today. We celebrated the fact that Amy Ruth is in union with Jesus Christ. So in the new covenant, we celebrate the Lord's Supper and we celebrate baptism, not all of those old covenant rituals that you read about in the Old Testament, which is exactly what the audience of the book of Hebrews were being tempted and pressured to return to. They were being tempted to go back and celebrate all of these old covenant rituals. So the author of Hebrews is not saying that we don't celebrate anymore under the new, under the new covenant. He is not saying that in the Old Testament they knew how to party, but in the new covenant we're just a bunch of stick in the muds. No, we celebrate God's grace now just like they did under the old covenant only the forms are different now. We still celebrate the same Savior, the same gracious God, the same giving God. It just looks different in the way that it is administered now in the new covenant. The Hebrews wanted to go back to those old rituals to celebrate grace, but the author of Hebrews is redirecting them at the very beginning of his letter. He is letting them know that God created everything in this world through Jesus, and we are called to celebrate and enjoy Jesus just like those believers under the old covenant, only the forms look different now. But not only do we celebrate the Lord's Supper and baptism, we also celebrate all of life, all of creation because Jesus made it. All of creation was made to celebrate God and to enjoy his blessings and then to return thanksgiving to him for his goodness. So creation is a gift from God to us through which we can enjoy him, our, our, our creator. Let me say that again. Creation is a gift from God to us, through which we can enjoy him, our creator. That means that when we take delight in the elements of creation, when we take delight in a chocolate donut, it should provoke us and stir us and stimulate us to celebrate and enjoy God, our creator. It means that when we take delight in the elements of creation, when we take delight in a blood moon and a solar eclipse, it should provoke us and stir us and stimulate us to celebrate and enjoy God, our creator. It means that when we take delight in the elements of creation, when we take delight in smelling bacon cooking on the stove, it should provoke us and stir us and stimulate us to celebrate and enjoy God, our creator. It means that when we delight in the elements of creation and we take delight in a good nap on Sunday afternoon, it should provoke us and stir us and stimulate us to celebrate and to enjoy God, our creator. And it means that when we take delight in the elements of creation, when we take delight in a well-written hip-hop song with great beats and a catchy hook, it should provoke us and stir us and stimulate us to celebrate and to enjoy God, our creator. 
That's exactly what we mean when we say this in our mission statement here at Grace, that we exist to ignite a passion in every person to glorify and enjoy God everywhere and in everything. This is why we exist as a church. Through all of our ministries, through all of our preaching and teaching and classes and meetings, through all that we do here, we want to ignite this passion. We want to ignite this fire in people to glorify and to enjoy God. But we don't limit that glorifying and enjoying just within these walls. We want to glorify and enjoy Jesus everywhere we go and in everything we do. We want to ignite this passion in you to glorify and enjoy God even as you eat a donut. So you could reword our statement, our mission statement this way. We exist to ignite a passion in every person to glorify and enjoy God everywhere and every time they eat a donut. That's what we mean when we say everywhere and in everything. How cool is that? We exist to ignite a passion in you to glorify and enjoy the triune God every time you eat a donut or eat bacon or listen to Lecrae or stare at a blood moon or take a nap. We have to be the coolest church around. How many other churches have that in their mission statement? We want you to glorify and enjoy God as you eat a donut. We have to be the coolest church around, but it's true. We want you to leave grace every Sunday and say, what a savior. Isn't God so good? He gave us Jesus. Let's go eat some barbecue chicken to celebrate. That is spiritual. That is a very spiritual thing to do, Grace, to glorify and enjoy God as you enjoy barbecue chicken. And people think Jesus is boring. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the creator who came up with these things called taste buds. He didn't have to give us taste buds. He could just say, you have to eat this stuff in order to survive. He didn't have to give us taste buds. But he did because he's good. He didn't have to make barbecue sauce taste so good. But he did because he's good. He is the one who came up with taste buds and he is the one who came up with the chicken and he is the one who came up with the barbecue sauce that you put on the chicken. Why? Because he is good. The preacher of the book of Hebrews was writing to a people who were being tempted to go back under the old covenant and to avoid certain foods, to avoid the unclean foods found in the Old Testament and to obey all of those ceremonial laws. So by saying this at the beginning of his letter, through whom also he created the world, the preacher of the book of Hebrews is saying that God made this world and that he called it good. And even though certain animals and certain foods were off limits under the old covenant, because they were unclean, they were now considered clean in the new covenant and then they could enjoy these things. In other words, since Jesus took over the kitchen, Barbecue pork was added to the menu. Amen? 
And this is exactly what Peter, Jesus told Peter in Acts chapter 10. Remember the story where Peter had the vision? It says he was hungry. He had the vision, the, the, the sheet coming down from heaven. All these unclean animals in the Old Testament are all there. And Jesus said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. I firmly believe that in Acts 10, when Jesus appeared in that vision and told Peter to get up and to kill and to eat, all that meat that was once off limits and considered unclean under the old covenant, I firmly believe that Jesus handed Peter a bottle of sweet baby Ray's sweet and spicy barbecue sauce. I believe that. In fact, in Acts 10.10, it says that Peter became hungry wanting something to eat. He became hungry wanting something to eat. That phrase, to eat, is one word in the Greek language. To eat. It's the Greek word, gusasthai. Think about that. Gusasthai. Sounds a lot like God is saying, go put some thick, gooey barbecue sauce on that chicken thigh. (laughs) Can I get an amen for making scripture say that we should put barbecue sauce on chicken? Gusasthai, what a beautiful word. Some of you are experiencing Acts 10.10 right now. They became hungry wanting something to eat. But the burning question that you should be thinking of right now, if you're not so preoccupied with barbecue chicken, is this. How in the world do we glorify God as we enjoy his creation? How in the world do we glorify God as we enjoy barbecue chicken? How in the world do we not glorify the barbecue chicken over God? Very important questions. and Very applicable for our lives. The answer is this. We start with the gift and we trace it back to the giver. You start with the barbecue chicken and as you enjoy it, you trace it back to Jesus. John Piper said it this way. So we can say that when we look along the heavens and not just look at the heavens, then they succeed in their aim of declaring the glory of God. That is, we see the glory of God, not just the glory of the heavens. We don't just stand outside and analyze the natural world as a beam, but we let the beam fall on the eyes of our heart so that we see the source of the beauty the original beauty, God himself. This is the essential key to unlocking the proper use of the physical world of sensation for spiritual purposes. All of God's creation becomes a beam to be looked along or a sound to be heard along or a fragrance to be smelled along or a flavor to be tasted along or a touch to be felt along. All our senses become partners with the eyes of the heart in perceiving the glory of God through the physical world. In other words, what he's saying is taste and see and smell and feel and hear that the Lord is good. Don't just stop with that awesome barbecue chicken. Don't just enjoy that bacon. Eat it. Enjoy it but let it lead you back to its source, Jesus. As you enjoy that bacon, enjoy the God who made it. Enjoy the God who came up with the idea of a pig and then put the thought into the minds of human beings to cook that glorious meat. And then give thanks that God gave you taste buds to enjoy the flavor of bacon.
That's how you glorify God as you enjoy bacon or as you enjoy music or as you enjoy art or as you enjoy a massage or as you enjoy that smell of coffee as it's brewing in the morning. Yes, we can enjoy all of these created things, but as we enjoy them, we're called to travel up the beam of light, if you will, to its source which is the sun, S-U-N, which is the sun, S-O-N, the son of God. And this is as practical as it gets for us. And it's why I devoted a whole sermon to this, because this is where we all live every day. We eat every day. We see beautiful things every day. We smell wonderful things every day. We hear incredible music every day. We feel the sweet embrace of a loved one every day. All day long, we are bombarded with opportunities to enjoy God's creation and then to trace that enjoyment all the way back up to God and then to glorify and to enjoy him as our wonderful, giving, sharing, creative creator. We have numerous opportunities daily to glorify and to enjoy God through what we taste see, smell, feel, and hear. And one of the most practical ways is eating. We all eat at least three times a day, probably if you're like me, more than that. We have an opportunity in that moment to trace that beam up to the giver and say thank you, but not to make it the rote prayer because I think we do that. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we just say the prayer because we gotta say the prayer, right? What do we say? Lord, thank you for this food and bless it to the what? Nourishment of our bodies. Isn't that, that's what we usually say, right? To the nourishment of our bodies. And then we take a bite of the glazed donut. And God's like, look, I'm God, but I mean, really? I mean, he could transform a glazed donut into the nourishment of your body. But he might say, I gave you a brain, use it. You wanna eat the glazed donut and as it travels down into your stomach, you want me to turn it into broccoli? He could, but that's not how God works. He gave us a brain, but we have daily opportunities to truly stop and say, God, we pray this all the time before we eat, but thank you for this meal. Thank you for the flavors, flavor combinations that have come together that when they hit my palate, it's gonna explode in my mouth. Thank you for that. Thank you for providing for us. We have daily opportunities, numerous opportunities to smell something wonderful and say, thank you, God, that you created a nose and I can smell wonderful things and they remind me of your beauty and I can smell awful things and I can trace that out to say, this is how I should view sin. I should run from it. I should hate it the way I hate that smell. All day long, we are given numerous opportunities to glorify and enjoy God through what we taste, through what we see, through what we smell, through what we feel, through what we hear. This was God's good design in creation. This was the way that God designed it. This morning, as I pulled two shots of espresso and poured it over iced and had an iced Americano, I just tasted that sweet caramely goodness and I just said, thank you, Lord, for coffee. You have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Joe Rigney says this in his book, 
the things of earth, treasuring God by enjoying his gifts. If you like this sermon, this book expands on it. One of the best books out there on this. How do you treasure God as you enjoy your grandkids? How do you treasure God as you enjoy your home, your 63 Mustang or whatever? I don't know. You feel in the, How do you enjoy God as you enjoy those things? An excellent book. I highly recommend it to you. Here's what Joe Rigney says. And he's talking about God telling Adam and Eve, everything in the garden you want to eat, have at it. Just don't look at that tree, touch that tree, go near that tree, nothing. Everything else, it's all yours. Talking about that commandment, he says this. If we extend this divine divorcement of sight and taste to Adam and Eve, then here we see God enthusiastically endorsing our joy and delight in all sensible pleasures. That is, pleasures we receive through our bodily senses, pleasures that we see, smell, taste, touch here provided they're enjoyed within the boundaries established by the giver of every good gift. Let's stop there in the quote just a minute. Provided they're enjoyed within boundaries. God gave intimacy between a man and a woman, but it's supposed to happen within the boundaries of marriage. It's good within the boundaries of marriage. God gave us certain foods to eat. It's good within certain boundaries. You can't eat in and out every day and expect to have energy, and expect to look decent, right? There are boundaries. So this is where it addresses the gluttony, because some of you are like, but what about gluttony, and can you have two donuts? Within the boundaries. Back to the quote. Perhaps God could have done it another way. He might have made an immaterial world populated purely by spiritual beings. And I love this next line. Infinite wisdom preferred stomachs and tongues. And every combination of sour, sweet, salty, and savory that the chefs on the Food Network can discover. Because that's what they are doing. Discovering all the ways that God chose to communicate his goodness, his sweetness, even his bitterness to human palates. My guess is that it will take a while. The creation of food tongues, and the human digestive system is the product of infinite wisdom knitting the world together in a harmonious whole. The symphony of glory that sounds the triune being, the symphony of glory that that tells us about Jesus and his Father and the Holy Spirit, the symphony of glory that sounds the triune being contains notes of corn salsa and sour patch kids, of sweet tea and rye bread, the kind that fills the belly. The variety of tastes creates categories and gives us edible images of divine things. I highly recommend this book to you. Understand this. God is not a cosmic killjoy. God gives us many things to enjoy in this life Because God is good. Everything that God created is good. And that includes donuts. Just be careful how many you eat. Please let me say that again. Everything that God created is good. And that includes donuts. Just be careful how many you eat. And it includes Lay's potato chips with biscuit and gravy flavor. They have those now. Have you had them? I'm going to have them for lunch today, and they're awesome. I just have to be careful how many I eat. So leave today and go have lunch. And tell the waiter or the person at the register, be intentional. Tell them, I'm celebrating today. 
You want to share the gospel? Throw it out there and let them bite. I'm celebrating today. What are you celebrating? A birthday or what? I'm celebrating the fact that God loves me. Tell the waiter that you're celebrating the fact that God forgives your sins, that you believe in the gospel, that Jesus lived and died for you, and that God raised him from the dead and he's coming again to make the world new. Tell the waiter that you're celebrating the fact that Jesus gave you taste buds to enjoy his creation and then eat. Enjoy that tri-tip. Enjoy that double-double cheeseburger from In-N-Out with grilled onions or enjoy that burrito from Chipotle. And for crying out loud, get a refill on your Coke. And let your kids get dessert. Let your kids get dessert today. Kids, you have my permission to politely and with respect and honor say, Mommy, Daddy, Pastor Benji said you should get us dessert today. And then give them those eyes. (laughs) Please. Get your kids dessert And trace all of that back to God and thank him that he's so loving and giving and caring, sharing and creative. And if you feel real crazy, invite someone to lunch today and offer to pay for it. Feel real crazy and you want to image forth God who not only creates, he shares and he gives. Invite a family to lunch and pay for it. And if you invite somebody to to lunch today, they're gonna assume that you are paying for it because I said that too. So if somebody invites you to lunch, just tell them you're paying for it, right? If you're able to bless someone that way because God has blessed you, find one of these young families and say, let us take you out today and bless you. And your kids can get dessert and they can make noise and scream and they can knock water over on the table. That's okay because God loves us and he forgives us. Jesus is not boring. I hope you understand that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy that you're so giving and so good. And Lord, it's it's us. We're the problem, God. You're free. You laugh. You enjoy. You sing. And we're the ones who are sticks in the mud. Oh, God, that our joy and our enjoyment of you would be contagious to the world around us. That, yes, we speak of serious things. We speak of the eternal destiny of the lost. Yes, we speak of the serious radical call to follow your son in discipleship. Yes, we understand we may die because we're united to your son. But, God... On the other end of that, may we live with freedom and joy and enjoy your creation and trace it back to you and say, who is this God? What a Savior. So good. Be glorified today, God, as we glorify and enjoy you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.